In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good. Looking forward to it. Another um, American fan on that is a quite intelligent and sashy lover, so he's obviously a good person. Yep. I know you'll be super excited about this, Jack. You notice I get all the best people suited for you. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing a good job. You even brought on Hiram Boybonts, who hated everything I had to say, came on the show and then agreed with 99% of what I said. Well, not everyone agrees with you, mate. I do get some quite nasty uh, hate mails about you, mate. So, uh... oh, my favourite was the guy that uh, sent an, a message to you saying, this guy doesn't know what he's on about. Um, why is he hating on Hugh all the time? And then spelt Hugh wrong. Anyway, I would like to uh, introduce Matthew Lawless. Matthew, welcome to the show. Appreciate having you guys. So, yeah, thank you very much for your time. We're yeah. recording record this in the late hours of uh, Labor Day, so happy Labor Day. Oh, yeah. They're working hard. And is that a, a uh, Dorsey-style jersey I see you wearing? No, I've been asking and tweeting to the, the official Browns accounts, Nathan Zagura, Gibbs, Gribble, trying to figure out when those are going to go on sale. This is a 1999 uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame game whenever the Browns came back. Uh, it's kind of – I found this at a, like a vintage like thrift store a few years ago, and been hanging on to it so it's one of my my favorite shirts mate it looks cool mate it looks good oh yeah um all right great um so are you a browns fan first unfortunately yeah uh i've been a browns fan since 1999 i was like eight nine years old at the time um had a distant cousin that was drafted by the browns he's an offensive lineman named chad beasley he uh he played at virginia tech and that's kind of where my my connection with the browns kind of started off was butch davis was the coach coming back Butch was at, the, at Miami back in the 90s, played a lot of Big East games against Virginia Tech. Uh, I grew up about 45 minutes away from Blacksburg, watching a lot of Mike Vick, um, Lee Suggs, a lot of those guys that uh, Butch Davis played against ended up becoming Browns when they came back. Uh, so I was young, impressionable, and stupid, and I stuck <laughs> with them. Uh, I even I included the Browns in my wedding vows to my wife when we got married a few years ago. It was something along the lines of, if I can be a Browns fan all my life, he's, loving you will be easy a walk in the park um and so it's commitment everyone got a good laugh out she's a big carolina panthers fan so she gives me a hard time all the time but this is the year we play them and so she'll be crying after that one so it'll be all right and are you based around cleveland at the moment no that's the other thing is i've never lived in cleveland in ohio anywhere remotely close to cleveland uh i've not been to a game in cleveland i've been to a few browns games uh been to, went to the game in Baltimore last year. I've met Joe Thomas. That was kind of like a highlight. We were checking at the hotel, looking around the lobby and see a lot of the players come in. So I asked the, the person at the check-in desk, I was like, this is, is this where the team is staying? They were like, yeah. And so wow. I ran over, stopped signing in, went over and like just begged Joe Thomas for, for a picture and was like a little kid and like meeting Santa Claus for the first time. It was just great. Uh, so I met him, met, rode elevator with Bob Wiley, which was 
interesting experience. I don't think this was before Hard Knocks. I don't think anybody anticipated anyone knowing who Bob Wiley was. And so got to meet him, rode the elevator with Hugh Jackson, his wife, um, unfortunately, but uh, he's back. So, yeah, so I've got a, a weird path to, to being a Browns fan. So, um, but no one can call me a bandwagon fan, at least. Yeah, I got really, really drunk on Saturday and uh, ended up texting Joe Thomas about um, the Cool Runnings, the movie. And uh, he actually responded today with, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, Joe's great. Moral of the story, don't drink loads of beer and uh, get on Twitter. But uh, I never learned, so we'll see what happens. Do you guys have any connect? Do you see he's got his beer coming out? He's yeah. got his own line of beer. I mean, that's the problem with not living in Cleveland. I don't know how I'm going to get a hold of it, but I'm going to have to reach out through the Twitterverse and, and see if someone will hook me up for a premium or something. Um, most things end start in Cleveland. They get cut and put on waivers, so just check the waiver wire, mate. That's <laughs> 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 quite good for you, actually, mate. Um... Uh, I'm out in uh, Cleveland for the uh, LA Chargers game. So, uh, Jack, I'm going to get one. Sounds Just good. one? I drink cider, so, yeah, one's fine. Uh, yeah, that'll probably do it. I think it's 7.3% alcohol, too, so one should get the job done. Do you know what? Actually, I think I've only got hand luggage, so um, you may not even get one of them. may get an empty, too. <laughs> the, the thought of you yeah. buying beer and bringing it home, just it's, it's not the sort of person you are, so I'll get the empty can. Yeah, you're going to get an empty can, okay? <laughs> so, uh, Matthew, tell us, um, are you a big uh, UK soccer fan? Uh, I, I like soccer. Uh, I grew up playing soccer until I was in high school, um, kind of through family ties, still in the Manchester area. i kind of always been a, a Man U supporter in the, in the hindsight, which is, I know, kind of blasphemous. A lot of people just kind of view that as being a Cowboys or Yankees fan, so... I apologize for that, but I'm more mostly a, a Wayne Rooney fan. Uh, he's kind of got the dad bod rocking. Uh, he's kind of like an everyman type of guy. Uh, so it's, it's nice to see him here in the United States and hopefully get a chance to, to check him out. But I grew up playing, loving the game of soccer. I'm not a runner. I'm not that athletic in that regard. I'm a big golfer. That's my best sport that I actually play. Uh, but, yeah, so that's, that's about my extent of soccer. And what do you play off golf? Uh, I play about a four handicap. Very good. Yeah. Uh, someone saying uh, he's not a runner, he's not got the fitness, but he enjoys football. So you're the same as Wayne Rooney then? <laughs> exactly. I, was, I think I mean, basically a spitting image. Wayne Rooney is good at golf as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, great. And um, have you ever been over to Europe at all? Uh, I did study abroad in Madrid uh, the summer of 2010 for a few months. Uh, I. L was there the summer of the World Cup when Spain won. So that was really fun. Cool. Uh, the, co the college I was attending basically stopped for like the full week. Uh, I was there like the next day when the, the team came back from South Africa. Uh, we were there in the center of Madrid. And I come from a very small town in West Virginia. It has 15,000 people. <laughs> I think the parade the next day was over a million people on yep. just the one on, on Gran Villa right there in the middle of Madrid. Um, so I, I, I've been to Spain. Um, I traveled around throughout Spain, but I haven't been back. Uh, since I'm hoping to, to get over to, to Scotland or Ireland and play some golf here in the next next couple of years, but outside of that, haven't been anywhere else in the in the continent. Why have you never been to London? Uh, I was a poor college student for a long time, and so uh, just now finally kind of getting getting up and running, doing some traveling. Uh, 
we live kind of in a beach area here in West, in the in North Carolina now, so it's kind of hard to want to leave there. We're basically on a vacation all the time. So, uh, but hopefully in the next coming coming years, uh, be able to get over overseas a little bit. Maybe whenever the, is, are the Browns supposed to come back to London anytime soon? We only find out um, around January, February time every year, don't we? Yeah, it's sort of. Um, it's even before the fixtures are out. It's like. You don't know when the games are being played, but it's like, oh, you're going to get these six teams, and sometimes you don't even know like which team's playing which team at the start. Basically, we just always figure it's going to be the Jaguars and then somebody else. Correct. Okay. Do anybody, does, does anyone actually like the Jaguars over there? It seems like they're kind of forcing them on you all. But um, Loads of people, because NFL's growing at an incredible rate in the UK and London, um, when they're looking for a team, it's the easy team to go and root for because it's like, oh, I can go watch them every year. So they've definitely had a massive rise in support. And loads of people um, I spoke to that went to their first game last season. Um, it was the Jags-Ravens um, game. And Blake Bortles had an absolute worldie that day. And there were people coming away like, that quarterback was incredible. And everyone that's obviously been watching NFL for more than one game was just laughing at him, going, he's probably one of the worst you're ever going to see. Just because he had one good game, they were like, he's amazing. Wasn't that the game where Mercedes Lewis looked like Randy Moss in the game too? I mean, Mercedes Lewis, I think, had like two or three touchdowns, 150 yeah. yards or something crazy like that, and never had that game after that. But now he's with the Packers. But so I, dig- I digress. Yeah. Well, and uh, be brutal. What's your uh, feedback on having a game uh, away from the States? I don't. I mean, I think it's kind of a novelty thing. Once every like five or so years, I think it's it's fine. I think I understand. I'm really I'm in the business world, so I understand the NFL growing the the game, going to London, going to Mexico, that kind of thing. I actually personally truly enjoy them because living on the East Coast, being able to wake up at nine o'clock in the morning and there's already a football game on TV, I love that. It's kind of the same thing as all the people living on the West Coast in the United States being able to wake up on Saturdays and Sundays. And you have football from the minute you wake up. And so I enjoy it from that aspect. Um, if it was an all-the-time thing where my team was like the Jags going over there, I think that would hurt. But I guess a road game is a road game. And if it's a five-hour flight from the East Coast to London, then if it's five hours to the West Coast, then it doesn't really hurt too much. But um, I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people are up in arms, but I'm kind of a little more open-minded. Well, Matthew, if you ever want to come to London, you've got an uh, open invite with myself and Jack, okay? I'll, I'll be on that couch soon. Yeah, that's fine. We've got a lovely couch. That's fine. <laughs> um, which person in the Browns organization would you most want to go for a beer with? Oh, man. Current organization? Yeah, or current. All time? Oh, man. I would say Miles. I feel like Miles Garrett's the easy answer just because – but that dude's just so intelligent. Like, I don't even know if I would talk football with the guy. I, mean, I love Jurassic Park. I like dinosaurs. We could talk about that. Get drunk. Do some like some dinosaur noises, reenactments, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's tough. All time, it would probably be definitely Joe Thomas. I mean, that guy I feel like would be the best to have a have a beer with. Um, maybe even Bob Wiley. I feel like Bob Wiley could really put down a twelve pack of beer and not even <laughs> flinch. Uh, I mean, then hop in his not not hop in his Maserati and drive home. Get an Uber home, but uh, yeah. So I, I would go with Miles. I mean, Miles is just a, a class act all around. And uh, what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the Super Bowl? I was laughing about that this morning. My dad, whenever I was in middle school, lost a big toe in a lawnmower accident. 
And he bounced back. Everyone says if you lose a big toe, you lose all your balance. But he never had balance to begin with, and he bounced back fine. You never notice it. So I feel like I have to go bigger than a, like a toe or something like that. So I, I would go with my left leg. Um, I think those like the – I always like look, watch like the, the Olympics with like the, uh, the athletes or the, the missing limbs and the, the blade runner. I would just get a permanent rollerblade put on my left leg. I feel like I would get it around a lot faster. Um, so I, I would donate my left leg to a Brown Super Bowl. Um, maybe more if it was like a dynasty thing. I could go probably full left leg, maybe half left arm for a dynasty of like five, ten years. So, Mate, that's dedication to the Browns. I like that. That's, that's what I'm here for. I, I, I love the uh, losing the big toe. Can you imagine when you're absolutely ruined and the old Bill's like, why are you drunk, sir? Well, I've lost my left toe and I've got no balance anymore. Well, what about the fact you've had 10 points? No, nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was that what kind of story it was, but it wasn't, wasn't nearly as fun as that. I always give the advice to people of whatever happens. Like, my friend uh, broke his arm and had a big cut on it. I was like, what happened? He was like, oh, I fell off the bottom rung of a ladder. I was like, next time someone asks you, just go, I was attacked by a bear because it just sounds so much better. <laughs> you should see the bear. He lost two teeth. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about some news, some of the uh, stuff that's been going on this week. Um, Matthew, what's your views on all the uh, waiver claims? Uh, there was a couple players that I was unhappy to see leave. Kind of one of the main ones, it was a hard numbers game, was Matthew Days. I love that guy ever since we, we brought him in. I watched him a lot in college at NC State. Um, he was always an explosive runner. It was one of those, if we could get him five, to, five touches a game, whether it be kickoff return, just mix it up on third downs. The guy, guy ran hard. He seemed to be a good special team asset. But I can understand keeping just the three running backs. And I know they put Hilliard on the practice squad. Um, so it's hard to, hard to see him go because I liked his skill set. Um, the other ones, Meter was kind of a, a shocking one. I know you, you love Hugh Jackson there, Paul. But, I mean, Hugh wouldn't have a single win to his name in Cleveland if it wasn't for Jamie Meter. And he turned his back, took his stripes away, sent him packing. Uh, and, then, and Carl Nassib, I think that was one that everyone was kind of shocked by. Uh, I like Carl. I liked his, his youth versatility, being able to go inside, outside. But whenever I saw the guy that we brought in from that was from the Vikings, I mean, this guy looks pretty explosive. And it seemed like it was more a numbers game for him in Minnesota than anything else. Um, that, that defense is just so deep. So their loss is our gain. Um, I would have liked to have been able to keep him and NASA, but it seems like Chad Thomas is kind of that odd man out that's going to be able to stay just because of Dorsey bringing him in this year. Maybe they've got something up their sleeve with him. I know uh, Jake Burns did a good breakdown on him recently. He liked some of his inside-outside stuff that Chad Thomas is able to bring, but um, that was kind of one of the ones that was kind of the more, sh more surprising was losing NASA. It seemed like he had kind of made some strides. Uh, I'm trying to think if there were any other big ones. I wasn't really a Kajust fan. I mean, I know everybody loved him because of the hard knocks thing. And then this last episode with the rocks and the moon and all that stuff. I don't know. just didn't, didn't sit well with me. I'm a huge DeVal fan. Um, yep. I, I, like his, I like his athleticism. I think a lot of people were saying, oh, there's no way he's going to make it with the uh, sitting out all preseason long. But to me, that felt more like the, the coaching staff was comfortable with what he's done over the past two years, uh, that they were just able to just get, worry about getting him healthy for, for week one. And I saw today that he's active and is, is off the bike and he's, he's active in practice along with a lot of other guys. So uh, really excited about that one. But then I think the other big name that a lot of people were surprised about was uh, Caleb Brantley. Brantley was a guy who was a very talented guy coming out of college, but it was the same thing was 
effort was his biggest issue. He had one or two big flash plays, and then the third, third he'd completely take off, get blown off the ball. Uh, I saw Redskins already picked him up. Maybe this is the kick in the ass that he needs to kind of get him motivated to, to play to his full potential. Uh, but I, I don't mind the, the message that Dorsey's sending with that move that they're just going to not let people just kind of rest on their laurels and, and, and really push guys. I mean, that's how you change a culture. So uh, I'm fine with that one. But um, Carl Davis, he, he seems like a pretty good pickup from, from Baltimore. Seems like another numbers, guy, numbers game. I saw that he actually played a little bit of defensive end for them too, which was kind of surprising because I think he's a 320-ish pound guy. Um, so the versatility that kind of adds with the, the combinations you can have up front with him and Ogan Joby, Garrett, Agba, Avery. Um, that's a, that's going to be a fun, fun lineup, I think. But the other three waiver claim guys, I don't really know too much about the linebacker as a safety and then was a center from the Rams. Yeah. But, it's interesting. Uh, Matthew Days hasn't been picked up yet. I thought he'd be snapped up really quickly. And last I saw, we still have three open practice squad spots. So maybe they can get him back. Um, it's kind of one of those things. I, I, it's great. You have three good running backs, but somebody's got to play some special teams. Um, he seems like he'd be an optimal guy for that. He was good in the return game. Uh, he, he provides some spark there in the kickoff return. Um, but yeah, I was kind of—I figured he would get picked up, especially at a, such a big game, Week Four against the the Lions. I know his backups, but he looked explosive. He looked fast on that that long, fifty-ish yard touchdown run he had. So I was kind of surprised he hasn't been picked up yet. Yeah, I'm never opposed to having sort of you two between the tackles guys and sort of a hide and chub, and you two sort of receiving backs in Duke Johnson and uh, Days, um, yeah. and then you just take one less wide receiver. Have four um, tight ends. I'd have probably. Dropped. Uh, is it Charles? Orson Charles, yeah. Orson Charles, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. That I only say everyone says kind of dropping Danny Vitelli. Um, Orson Charles kind of provides that blocking that they're going to use. So maybe that's what they like. They can use him in the H back, running some more pistol stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I would have rather kept Days than maybe uh, some of the other guys. Maybe uh, some of the the sixth <laughs> line, sixth wide receiver. But yeah, I, I agree. I'd have um, just moved on uh, Fatali and I'd have moved on Charles and then I'd have used Fells, dropped him back if you ever want to run, use him as a fullback. And then just yeah. throw another um, tackle out there. If you choose sort of Greg Robinson as a sixth um, O-lineman, it's going to do just as well as any blocking tight end in most cases. And yeah. if it's an obvious rundown, it doesn't really matter. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one of them. See what happens. Um, I'm all for getting rid of uh, Nasib and Orchard. We went zero and sixteen last year. Change. We've got to make the change. I, I'm against this sort of clean cut mentality. And I've seen loads of people on Twitter. Oh, if they were that good, we wouldn't have gone zero and sixteen. Under that logic, you're cutting Miles Garrett. So, it, well, it, I, so it's, it's the same same thing you're seeing right now with like Oakland. Was I think it was. I don't know if it was Gruden that said it, but there was a lot of people that are saying, oh, we weren't very good with Khalil Mack on our team. It's like, that's the same thing. I think we saw a lot of that with Browns fans, with Joe Thomas over the years, where, oh, the team still sucks. We should trade him, get rid of him. It's like, yeah, your team's not winning with this guy, but where would you be without him? And it's kind of, I think, I think Oakland's in for a really bad reality, realizing how bad their defense is going to be without Khalil Mack. And it's kind of the same thing. I don't blame. 0-16 as much on the roster as maybe Paul might. Uh, 
But like Nate, or- Nate Orchard was kind of a guy. He kind of was just a fringe second, third rotation guy. Uh, I thought I think I saw that he's going to go in for a couple workouts with the Bills and the Jets in the coming days. NASA, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen if NASA's been given any workouts or anything, but it seems like enough enough teams need defensive guys, so um, I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere. I thought uh, one thing I am looking forward to uh, Coach Williams calling is going to be the Moo package. Just a, a shout out to any cows out there. We're going to have Miles, Ogunjobi. I'm going to try this one. Oden Ogbo or An Ogba. And it's going to be the Moo package. And uh, that, that'll get a bit of pass rush going. Yeah, that's going to be a, a scary front. Is that those three Nigerians? I think I know Ogunjobi's from Nigeria. I think Ogba might be Nigerian. It's, I, think, I think it's them two and um, Njoku's our third Nigerian. I think I it's the, three on the roster. I thought the new guy from Vikings was too. Maybe, or maybe I thought his parents were or something, maybe like that. But I uh, could be wrong. Yeah, he, the new guy is. You've got um, Njoku that is, and there's one more, which is Ogunjobi. Larry? It's either Larry or Ogba. It's one of the two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got a nice in, in, uh, international flavor to it now. I like it. And something interesting to note on um, the waivers and. I was more keen on the defensive tackle we signed rather than defensive end, but it was interesting to note Carl Davis actually had the most waiver claims in for him of any player in the NFL going through waivers. And Cincinnati, Washington, the Chargers, and Cleveland, he was the only player that had four claims on him. So uh, we obviously did well there. And uh, Tanner Vallejo had three claims with Miami, Cleveland, and Arizona. So uh, people were obviously keen on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think Davis had um, – I know I saw a graphic that I think it was last year he had like the second or third best run-stop percentage in the league for, for an interior guy. So um, see, I saw someone – I think it might have been Pete Smith might have been the one that discussed it earlier. It was kind of like he's somewhere in between the, the middle between Meter and Danny Shelton. So if he's a blended talent and saves you two guys for – two roster spots for one guy, then, then I'm fine for it. And he's still pretty young. I think he's only like 25, 26, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So um, he's at least worth kicking the tires until next year's draft class. All right, great. Some uh, hot news. Uh, Desmond Harrison, quoted by uh, Mary Kay Cabot, maybe playing left tackle on um, Sunday against the Steelers. What do we think about that, guys? I just think this, for me, is a perfect example of everything that's wrong with the Browns. Go all the way back to the draft. So we need a replacement for Joe Thomas. There was no top left tackle talent in the draft. I'll admit that. McGlinchey was sort of the only one I was that interested in, but you'd have needed to trade back to sort of the 12th pick to get him and it to be sensible. So then they went Corbett. And if the plan was Corbett's coming in at left guard, you move Petonio over, do it straight away. Get it out of the way. Instead, you've got the O-line coach doing an interview the day before you make a change, saying, that's plan Z, we're never going to do it unless something goes really wrong. The next day, Hugh Jackson's announcing that that's what they're doing. So he obviously hasn't been talking to the coaching staff um, about anything to do with the O-line. And you thought, if, if you're the one having the meetings with Dorsey, deciding what you're doing with the roster, you might want to just give a heads up to your, the chap that's running the O-line. Then we have... Um, sort of, and I'm a massive Desmond Harrison fan. I think he's got a real promise, and I was over the moon we kept him. 
he's not ready to start yet. He hasn't had any practice with the ones. And he always bangs on about how Tyrod needs all the snaps because if you don't get all the snaps, you can't start. And then suddenly, after a few preseason games, he's thinking about starting him. You've got Petonio being told, I'll let you know on is it Wednesday whether you're going to play left guard or left tackle. Corbett might be starting centre, and I don't think he's taken a snap at centre yet with the firsts. Um, Treader might be dropped, and then who knows, they might trade him. It's... Uh, it's crazy. You mean this isn't how all NFL franchises are run? <laughs> I mean, Paul's a big Hugh Jackson guy, so, I mean, there's got to be some logic to all this madness. Maybe they're trying to play tricks. We're just so talented that we just want to, we don't give some kind of advantage to Pittsburgh. I'll kind of circle back. So, back to the draft. I know, I mean, there's no left tackle there, so I'm glad they didn't really reach on a guy who was too raw, shouldn't have been there. I know there's been a lot of thought, uh, kind of with Dorsey, new guy. He wants his own guys in there is that after this year, I'm not sure exactly how the cap space might work out, uh, is that they might be able to get out of Zeitler's contract at right guard um, on a cheap basis. I like Corbett as a guard. I think he's got a future there. I mean, that guy's got some nasty hands. I mean, you just watch him like last year in Nevada was just manhandling guys. I know that they wanted to try him at left tackle. Um, didn't seem like it was a comfortable fit, which is understandable. Um, that's a bit, and especially, I mean, going against Miles every day in practice, it's kind of hard to, to get a read on a guy, how good he is when you're going against arguably a top five, top 10. And um, Treader, something you brought up, Treader, was a good point that I saw was I know a lot of people didn't really like his play last year, but he was coming off of a, a knee injury. I think it was an ACL or, or something along those lines. And I saw he give an interview earlier this year that he's put on, I think, 15, 20 pounds to be able to handle the bigger guys in the AFC North. So, I'm fine with Treader. I, I know people are kind of anxious to move uh, Corbett already to center. But, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I know Betonio said that he got a few snaps in minicamp and left tackle, but that's such an important position. Joel's such a great left guard. Figure that plan out earlier, and then if somebody comes up and can play better, move him back to left guard. But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of – it's kind of typical Hugh. I mean, he kind of just puts his, his foot in his mouth way too often. He's a nice enough guy off the field, but he just continues to put his foot in his mouth, make these brash, what appears to the media, last-minute decisions. Um, I would be shocked to see Desmond Harrison out there at left tackle on Sunday. Um, I think if that happens, the, the Steelers are going lick, to lick their chops and just come, come off that side even harder than they would have before. Uh, I think he's, got, he's definitely got a potential in the future. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that how the season progresses, if you start to see some weaknesses at left guard or center, then maybe you tweak it, but put the guys that we've got out there that have been working all preseason together, that have that cohesion. Um, I mean, I think we saw with the running game alone from week one in the preseason to week two, that it takes a while for those guys to gel and to, to work as a unit. Um, so I think, I mean, making those kind of massive changes right now would just throw a cur like a curveball and everything. And I, I don't want to see Tyrod taking blind side hits because Harrison's only been running against the twos in preseason. Uh, I think he needs to get a little. I mean, a little stronger. He seems like he's got really good feet, um, but he needs to get his playing strength up from what from what I've seen. But um, yeah, if he's starting on Sunday, I'm gonna need a couple extra Joe Thomas beers in me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on the uh, Zeitler deal, there's no real way we uh, trade him off. Uh, there's no real way we cut him in the next two years. It'd be 23.1 this year, 10 points oh, okay. this year. But there's a really good chance that we could trade him. Uh, 2.4 million. Um, as all the dead cap we'd hit with a trade. Um, so I think that's easily possible because at the end of the day, 
when it was signed, it seemed a little bit expensive. But yeah. now the contract at sort of 12.4 million a year is not that much for a um, top guard. So I, I think you could easily get a trade done oh, if yeah. you wanted to move him on. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, and kind of back to that, is everyone thought it was kind of expensive. No one likes pay, playing a guard. No one likes the no one liked the pick of a guard early in the second round with Corbett. Uh, but those interior offensive linemen are becoming so much more important. You see these guys like Aaron Donald. And this next year, I mean, I'm foaming at the mouth over next year's interior defi- defensive line class. I mean, Ed Oliver. I mean, Ogunjobi is one of those guys in that class. I mean, you're kicking Miles Garrett inside on a guard. You need to have good offensive guards. I mean, and that whole interior along the guard to center um, is becoming much much more important in today's NFL games. So I think I'm hoping that the the notion that guards don't get paid, guards don't get drafted high, that's got to go out the window. You need good guys from tackle to tackle, um, and you got to you got to pay them. You reward the talented guys. But I, I like you said, if they think that they've got their left tackle in, in Harrison, and then next year they can move Joel back to guard, and then put. Corbett is either center or guard, wherever they see fit, then I'm fine with it. I mean, it seems like a lot the offensive line depth in the NFL is just atrocious right now. So I think you could get some very valuable assets in return from uh, from trading Kevin Zeitler in the future if that's the route they decide to go. Be interested to see if we do that. Yeah, I think it's something that can happen. I think you keep him this year. Um, or if it, it does move well and they get a great offer, um, it could happen before the trade deadline, but I think you keep them one more year and then flip the trade. All right, moving swiftly on. Let's talk about the Browns for the season. We've got some uh, questions. Um, how many How many uh, total uh, wins do you think the Browns will get there this season? I'm going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Um, I know it's a tough schedule, but, I mean, you look at a, a lot of the games, that's the thing I think everyone kind of points to is 0-16 last year, but they were not blown out of what maybe two or three games total. I think the Houston game stands out, the Ravens games. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, when they were in London playing against Minnesota, who was a, a damn good team, they took them into the, the fourth quarter. Uh, I think they had the lead at halftime, actually, in that game. That's correct. Last year, week one in, was in Pittsburgh. We took them, had a block punt, and you had, the, you had Kaiser with a turnover machine. Um, I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing is we were very, very competitive in a lot of games last year and had by far the worst turnover margin. We had – I think our turnover margin was negative 28. The next closest team was negative 17. So Tyrod's a guy that takes care of the ball, and if the third preseason game's any indication, we should be able to get some more turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think that's huge for keeping us in games. We had so many close games we lost last year just because of timely turnovers, bad clock management. Um, if those things can improve, then I, I don't see why Eaton is out of the question. I think they'll surprise some some teams and some games. Um, week one, I think I think we can get the game against Steelers. I, if, oh. Le, if Le'Veon Bell's out, I mean he only had 25 yards last last year when we played him. So him out, that's kind of the same thing as last year. And you had Antonio Brown just going bonkers in that game. If you can just get any kind of pressure on Ben Roethlisberger, which Garrett was out that game, Gordon was out that game. Uh, I think we've improved the, the the roster kind of in most facets. I don't see why we can't win this week. Next week on the road, in the, or the second week at the Saints, that's going to be tough. I think that's when you're going to figure out what this team has. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see 8-8. Eight and eight and if things go the right way, regress to the mean, might see a little bit better. So, um, oh, I we'll think see how it goes. 
highest prediction we've had so far. So we're mixing up the next section now moving forward. Rather than asking the long gauntlet of questions, we've got a list of 11 questions and we're going to draw three out of the hat. Quick fire answers, so just hit us straight away. The first one, Hugh Jackson, how many games will he survive this season? I think he might survive 10. I think he might make it to the bye week. But depending on that record of the bye week, it, it might be gone. I think it, it'll be either obvious that this is Todd Haley's team or the, roster, the, 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 the schedule is just so tough that we've lost enough games that, that Hughes out the door. I think Dorsey's probably scratching, scratching and get that. And we'll go see Lincoln Riley come in as the, the future head coach. Oh, Jack, he's uh, talking your language here, isn't he? Uh, how many sacks do you think uh, Garrett will get this season? Oh, man. How old is he? Can he get his age in sacks? He's, what, 23? That's, that's probably asking a lot. I'm going to go 15, 15 and a half sacks. 15 and a half. Tyrod Taylor to throw how many yards this season? Uh, how many did he have last year? 3,200? Is that about? It's around the 3,000 mark. Ah, uh, man. With the weapons we've got, I'm going to go 3,678. Might give or take a yard or two. When you retweet this, can you put that down in the uh, Twitter so we can chase 3, it? 3,000. Uh, yeah, exactly. We'll count it down. All right. Matthew, I'm loving your positivity. Eight out of eight, mate. I think uh, you are probably our most positive uh, guest in history. So far. Right. We want a very, very, very hot take for the Browns this season. We want as bold as you can possibly imagine. This is probably this, is, this kind of goes against the positivity. I think Greg Williams will get into a fist fight with Todd Haley on the sideline during the game. Yes. During the game. It might be before halftime of a game, or it's going to be one of those where the, they're panning out, teams run into the tunnel, and Greg just punches them. I, I, think, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And then they'll come out into the, into the second half, and it's going to be absolutely fine. But um, I, I can see a fist fight between those two hot-headed guys. And, and Hugh will be off in left field, not really have an idea of what's going on. But um, that's, that, that's new. That's normal. And Matthew, if there was a fist fight, who do you think would win? Greg Williams or oh, Todd Haley? Oh, man. Well, I mean, Todd Haley's probably got a little bit more practice. Didn't he get into a fist fight after one of their games last year? So, I yeah. mean, I think Todd's a little more level-headed. I think he can kind of duck and dive some punches. Greg's just going to go all in, all out blitz. blitz go for the blitz, nose. Blitz. But, uh, but, yeah, I think, I think I'd take Todd Haley in that, that match. All right, great. Matthew, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Where do we find you on Twitter? Uh, the, the Twitter handle is lawless2lawless. Uh, you find me on there. I'll probably be arguing some, some Sashi Brown uh, haters on there. Um, probably talking down about Hugh a little bit. But uh, come on. I, I like having any kind of discussion with anybody. I think, uh, as Jake Byrne said earlier on today, Gotta get over this sashi stuff, mate. We've got to move forward. No. Come on, guys. Listen to sashi Jack. He's very, very smart. We're coming back. Let's take the step forward and move forwards, guys. When I told someone, I think I think I was, it's not mutually exclusive for me. I think I, I'm a sashi lover. I enjoyed everything that he did, but I also don't have anything against Dorsey. It's kind of it's, if Sashi hadn't done such a good job building up the assets and the roster, Dorsey would have never taken the job. There's a reason why it was so advantageous. It wasn't because of Hugh Jackson being here. That's for sure. Um, so the, the, the fight will never end. The fight will never end.
All right, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, my Twitter, at Jack Duffin, J-A-C-K-D-U-R-R-I-N. And Paul? Paul Brown underscore UK. And a big announcement for everyone. Change is coming. There's change coming. There's change coming. There's change.